Welcome. Oh, man, it's awesome this morning. And um, it just never ceases to amaze me how, how the Holy Spirit works, how the, how the living God uh, ties stuff together. And uh, I, I, just, I just was really touched by the words in this last song. And I, I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. And it's kind of interesting how if we put our trust in anything else, we're going to be shaken. And, and, and really, that was what I, I come this morning with, with it on my heart to. This is the last Sunday, one of the last days in 2018. We're coming at that time of New Year's resolutions. We've all made them. And we've all broke them somewhere between one and seven days in, you know. I mean, <laughs> um, and we, but we've had good intentions. We've had great intentions about our, about our New Year's resolution. And so I, I, I got to thinking about this and praying about it. If I could share a truth this morning that would enhance everybody within earshot, myself included, life for the next year if we resolve to do one thing and one thing alone and we were guaranteed to have a better year than we've ever had before i got to tell you that truth and i was thinking about you know so before we get to that truth and and i hope that you've got your bible this morning we're going to be in matthew the 20th chapter and we're going to be in the first chapter of romans today but before we get into it too far, I, I will put my trust in you alone. Not one of us has fully completed that all the time. Oftentimes, we put our trust in him and... At first, we start with the and, and then eventually we kind of graduate into this that we put our trust in him and our finances. Trust in him and our ability to draw people to us. Trust in Him. You know, I see all kinds of stuff some in, 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 uh, that we put our trust in. You know, uh, uh, what really started this process with me is sometime back I met this person, godly person, but they were extremely zealous. And, and every, time they, every time they had a cause, they were sold out to the cause, and they were crazy zealous. And pretty soon I started seeing, I believe the Holy Spirit was showing me, that person's hope was in that they could put enough effort into what they believed that they would be a difference maker in the future. So whether, they're, whether they were zealous for Christ or zealous for, for the economy in the United States or zealous for the government or whatever it was, they were hoping that their zeal would get them through the deal. And I'm like, man, that God's going to let them down sooner or later. Is there anything wrong with being zealous? Not a thing. But if your hope's in that, then you got a problem. You see other people and they're tough. You know, they're strong. They're not going to let anybody take advantage of them. Their hope is in that they can be tough enough to get them through the deal. And we've all been that person one way or another. Or smart enough or or figure out how to make enough money or be successful enough or be talented enough. You could put anything in the blank. I'm riding a good enough horse that that's a horse is going to get me along. Sooner or later, that horse is going to get old. And it ain't going to be as good as it used to be. 
or the next one coming along behind it isn't as good as the ones that you're used to riding and suddenly you're in a position where you're not winning as much as you used to and if your hope's in winning whatever you could put anything you want to in the blank if if your hope is in anything besides Christ and Christ alone you've got you've got a problem and so if I was going to going to bring something and we've all got that spot Every one of us in here, we got something that we fall back on and we trust, you know, that we, to protect us. And in that protection, we get fouled up because the further we go, that thing that we're counting on to protect us starts letting us down. So then we've got to pump it up a little bit more. We've got to make a little more money. We've got to be a little tougher. We've got to be a little more zealous. We've got to be a little fitter. We've got to be a little faster. We've got to be a little smarter and... We can't, we can't. And so then we got to try harder. We got to sell it more and on and on and on the story goes. But it's amazing thing that if we put our, our trust in Christ and Christ alone, all of that stuff is a lot less important. There's nothing wrong with doing the right things. Matter of fact, we're called to and we're called to work hard. You know, for me personally, when I was young, my hope was in that I could work harder than anybody else around me. That was the thing that I counted on. I, I was young and I was strong. And I thought if I worked hard in every situation, I'm the first guy to show up in the morning. I'm the last guy to leave. That that will put a, elevate me to another status and I will be hard to shake. Well, that's all really good. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. Matter of fact, they're godly traits. But if that was what I was counting on, which it was, sooner or later, you get tired. You run out of gas. You, you just can't make it any further. And I thought, you know, where I really run out of gas wasn't in that I couldn't work anymore. Is all of a sudden I started seeing that that God was not going to serve me very well. And it, it showed up, my, my younger brother got killed, and in, in that, about six months after that, I had been mourning it a long time. Him and I were really tight. And uh, I was about six months into the deal, and Tammy comes to me, and she's like, you know you're going to have to go back to work sooner or later. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure I got to. I'm going to work really hard, and then I'm going to die. That's how I felt at that point in time, because that God that I had chose to serve all of a sudden, I could see. I was Christian. I, I believed in Christ. I was preaching at that time in different places. I, I was sold out to him, but I didn't trust in him alone. I trusted in him and my ability to work hard. And all of a sudden, I could see that that was not getting me where I, I had hoped for. There's all kinds of things. Let's turn for a minute with... If you would, with me, turn to Matthew 20th chapter. And this is a really interesting story that just shows us in a whole nother way um, that we all deal with this one way or another. And so I would like to you to start thinking about as we go forward, where's he headed with this and what should I resolve to be? If I'm going to make a New Year's resolution this year, what would that resolution be that would leave me a better person, that would leave my year better more prosperous in the ways that count 
and the people that I impact better off because I make this resolution. And, the, and it comes, it'll, it kind of surprise you when you get there. But bear with me for a minute. Let's start here in Matthew 20th chapter, 20th verse. And it's the interesting thing happens here. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons, and she, smelt, and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. So she's got a relationship with Jesus, and she knows her sons do. They're tight. They hang out together a lot. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other one on the left. And you think about, what is she saying? She's saying, because my sons work hard for you and with you, maybe they should be elevated above other people. And because I'm a good mama and I, and I insist that they do those things, I'm going to help them get there. They were counting on because they were working for Christ instead of him through them that this was going to take care of them down the road. Looks to me like. Then James and John, then she replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on the right and the other on the left. Verse 22. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. You, you don't understand. You've been with me, but you don't trust in me alone. You're trusting in that your status from hanging out with me is going to elevate you to another spot. And the truth of the matter is, you can't even pull that off. But, you know, in the past when I've read this, I thought that he was really getting after them. But when I think about their history, they, hang, they were there. They were one of the 12. They went with him everywhere that he went. But something else is interesting. If you research their future, Jesus would, out of the 12, he would pick these two specifically for certain tasks. He wasn't getting after them in a way that's like, hey, you need to wake up. He was, he was just like, you just don't understand. But if you keep following me, you will. He goes on, he says, Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? He knows what he's fixing to go through for them and for us. And they're still in this, in this state. They're like, oh, yeah. Verse 22, oh, yeah, we can do it. We've been hanging out with you. We've been watching you. We can do it. He's like, you indeed will drink from my bitter cup. There's things going to happen and you're not going to like them. But it ain't how it works. You're not going to be at the right or left. As a matter of fact, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Somebody going to be there? I don't even know. This is what Christ is telling them. And here comes a problem when we start counting on Christ, but not Christ alone in our position of thinking that our things are going to elevate us to another place. When the ten other disciples heard James and John, what James and John had asked, this is verse 24, they were indignant. They're like, what are these guys talking about? 
And I thought about this. Every single time when we get in a position and we count on Christ, but we count on what we're doing for Christ and we think that it should elevate us to a different spot, in our desire to be elevated, it is distasteful for those around us. Those, we may not be able to see what we're doing wrong, but we can sure see when somebody next to us is doing it wrong. And if there's ten of us and two of them, we're like, what is he doing? And even as we read this, we're like, how did they get that far off track? They got there because they're human and because they have the same desires as the rest of us. Their resolution was a little bit fouled up. They were counting on their fill in the blank was, was their position with Jesus. Their, the things that they did, people got to see them in that spot. That was going to elevate them. That was going to take care of them at the end of the day. And he's like, that ain't it. He goes on to say some things that, that are it. But Jesus, so Jesus, he don't, he don't just cut them out right there. He just calls all of them, the ten that are indignant and the two that are off-center right here. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Verse 25, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world, this is how it works in this world, but you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. When you serve me and serve me alone, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You... So now this sounds kind of crazy. We're starting to get the picture. So my New Year's resolution has got to have something to do with me serving others. Not worrying about what's in it for me, but what's worrying, it, worrying about what's in it for them. And Mark, come up here for a second, would you? I asked him this morning. We... The other day, Mark and I had a conversation. We were sitting in the we were sitting in the car, his Jeep, and he made this statement. He said, "I'm closer to Christ than I've ever been." And that is is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's right. It it came from the from the trials our church went through when. Uh, when things went wrong and it all changed for all of us and at that day you know you 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 soul search for a second and you think is this man this is important to me i i i love those people i love our church i better do something you know i better work at it better serve it so once you started, once you stepped into serving the body of Christ and His people, did you have great expectations that you, that that you were going to be that you were going to be better liked because of that? No, no I, <laughs> I had uh, I had expectations that that uh, it would probably fail because of me is what I was thinking, and I was praying nightly about it. And so uh, in this conversation we had, and I wanted, it just so touched me 
that that he was in a he, and when when you when you told me that I could hear the excitement when you told me I'm closer to Christ than I've ever oh, yeah. been yeah. it was exciting yeah yeah I I didn't expect I thought I was already close to Christ I thought I was you know I knew I was a Christian I grew up a Christian I was lucky to have parents that raised me that way but uh I'd never quite served on that level, and that that relationship became closer because we talked about it constantly. So I just was touched by that example of once once we step into serving Him with zero expectations, how suddenly we're changed in ways that we didn't expect. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter status finances, all of this. What was exciting was his relationship and how that God had used him. And, and still today, just watching God do whatever he's doing amongst us and, and healing and mending and bringing unity into his body, the body of Christ, right before our very eyes. We're not a body divided. We are a body being unified. Yeah. And... And he used he used us human beings, and and he blessed Mark just through stepping into it with zero expectations of of receiving anything. And you know, I was thinking about even with even with the tithe that that come in. You know, that was that was, that was a huge week. But that's the way God works. When we start giving of our time, our finances, ourselves. Without expecting anything, he's going to bless us in a, uh, amazing ways that we can't, even, we can't even imagine. Do we just step into it for those blessings? No, we step into it because it's the right thing to do, and it's exciting. The rest of it's his business. Who sits on the right and who sits on the left, that ain't our business. Our business is just serving him, knowing that it's going to work out better for us because we did. If, if this, I got one more question for you. If this church had not survived, okay, but you still stepped into it selflessly, if, if you're, what you had hoped to accomplish didn't happen, but you stepped into it selflessly, you still would be blessed because of how he's interacting, drawn you closer to you through the experience. Would that be a true statement? I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I can see it. It would know? have been disheartening. You it it, it would have been. But even so, because you're at a, such a different place, it would have been worth the journey, it looks to me like. Yes. And, I, and I've become, uh, I've got a lot more authentic relationships in this room because of the journey also. And, yeah. And more coming. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. You bet. So turn with me now. I want to take a little glimpse of this type of relationship. So turn with me now to Romans, first chapter. You know, I was going to I was going to talk to you this morning about a little horse I got at home and and uh, and, and things and and he's a, he's three. He's going to be four here about tomorrow or the next day, whenever it happens. But um, the thing about him, he, he just amazed me. You know, I really liked him when he was born and and. Uh, Heather and Andrew were instrumental in all of that, and um, but when I started riding him, I, I had about five or six rides on him, and uh, 
I'd put him in some situations that he wasn't ready to handle. And he figured out how to do what I wanted. And I had never had a horse come so far in 45 minutes as what this horse came. Um, I started out that day. I couldn't even lope him. And I went out through some heifers just checking him. And he had never been loped before. I had trotted him round and round pen, and I wasn't getting him a road as regular as I wanted to, and I had work to do, so I decided I would take him with me, and I was calving some heifers. And I took him out through them heifers, and here's one that's got to come to the house, to got a calf in her or whatever. And um, so I'm on him, and it's a job to do. And so I start bringing that heifer towards the house where she... She can have her way with me on him anytime she wants to. And so I get her outside of the other heifers, and she comes by me. And I just followed her around in there. Pretty soon I'm loping her around in there. He's loping in behind that. He'd never loped before, but he was in behind that heifer. And then when I'd get her outside, I'd try to get her up beside him and up beside the, get him up beside her, the cow. And, and pretty soon I got him in this spot where he belongs, but he can't turn around because he don't know how. So when the heifer turns around, we go and we do it again. In just about 15 minutes, when that heifer would stop, he would just stop. When that heifer turned around, he'd just turn around with her. In about 20 minutes, I could stop her on both sides. And pretty soon, I had her pinned. And my relationship with that horse changed. I'd always loved him. But that day, he had completely bought into me. And because of that that he was sold out to me, I brought him along for more and more tasks, and I spent more time with him than any other horse we had because he was so sold out. And it's so interesting to me, I think about, was he, is he the best-looking horse I've ever had? He isn't. He's, cu- he's pretty cute, but he ain't the best-looking one I've ever had. Is he the most talented one I've ever had? Nope. Is he the cowiest one I ever had? No. Is he the fastest? Nope. He's none of those things. He's good at all of those things. But in each one of those cases, I've had horses that were more talented in every one of those places or better looking. But I have never had one that was completely sold out, that he just bought into me 100%. And because of it, I just, I just took him with me everywhere I went. He was like American Express. I did not leave home without him. And that's exactly what Christ wants to do with us. He wants us to resolve right here, right now, that we're going to buy in. That we are going to sell out to him and him alone. Does that mean we quit counting on those other things that we're going to work hard and that we're going to... No, those are our talents. We're still supposed to use them. That's just not what we're going to trust in. We're going to use them to trust in him. And at the end of the day, if our good looks and charm ain't working, it don't matter so much because we know that we have absolute faith in him. Read with me for a minute here in Romans. First chapter. This ain't it. I love Paul. You know, he he just has such an amazing way of describing things but his relationship he was like my little horse with christ he is just he is completely bought in and we can get that picture from what he says here 
This is a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ. So right here today, I'm asking you, my resolution as I stand before you, I am resolved to be a slave to Jesus Christ. I don't get to make the choices I go. Matter of fact, I probably would not be standing in front of you right now if I was running on my own accord. And yet I am so blessed to be here amongst you, to see what God is doing with you and through you and the growth that's going to take place and the more that are going to get touched. I'd have missed all of that if I was running in my own power. So I'm resolved. My New Year's resolution is I am going to be a sold-out slave of Christ Jesus. Chosen by God to be an apostle. Okay, what's an apostle? Here's another one of them churchy words that we all need to understand. An apostle is called out. It is, it is someone with a message or the scent. Everybody in this room is either an apostle or he would really like you to be. He has tasks for you. He wants to send you to specific people to, for him to work through you and for you to make a difference. You have a message. Whether it be through your actions or your words, I don't know. But I know that he wants to use you. You either are an apostle or he wants you to be one. Do not mistake it. God promises this good news long God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the holy scripture through the different this book is different than any other book is what he's saying here the good news about his son and that is also you know I think about the good news the gospel that's part of our mission statement right now that w and has been that the world would be changed that we impact as thousand hills through the gospel, through the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of what he did, what he's going to do, what he's going to do with us, and that he give us a helper, the Holy Spirit. We are not in this alone. And he's coming back. Believe it. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into the King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles, to tell others. These were people that were not known to be godly people. Gentiles, this is us. God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. And this is exactly what he wants for you. He wants to use you to tell those that you are surrounded by what he is doing for you. How you were changed. Once you became a slave, it wasn't about what you could gain. It was about the amazing blessing, the thrill of serving him and you were changed and it wasn't about all the stuff you used to think was important i'll promise you you know i don't know mark for a long time but i'll promise you there was a day when he thought there was other stuff that was important that was going to carry him he's got that charismatic personality he knows how to make money he thought some of that somewhere along the line was probably going to carry him all of a sudden 
If he didn't know it before, which I bet he was getting a glimpse of it, this last year he was sold out. You know what? There is more important stuff. Being in the presence of the living God is powerful. Is all that bad? No, it's good. But what's more important is serving him. So I'm changed. I'm different. And I like it. The good news is about his son. In this earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, he has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell the Gentiles everywhere what God has done. And it, I like, you can almost hear the excitement that Paul's, this is a thrill that I get to do this. And you think about what Paul did. He went to prison. He was beaten. He was left for dead. And yet it was a thrill for him to get called to do this wonderful task. Because he was changed, he was different, and it was worthwhile. And so it will be for you if you choose today to be a slave to the living God. Quit serving two gods. I'm going to serve one from this day forward. Am I going to quit doing that other stuff? No, he's not asking you to do that. He's just asking you to sell out to him. Be his slave. Use those things for him. And you will be changed. You will be blessed. If this today is your New Year's resolution, I promise you, when we're here next year, right here, you will be excited about what you have accomplished in the, in the year before him through you and you through him. Please bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. Father, Everyone in this room understands the truth of what we've just heard. It's an amazing thing when we hear the tr when we hear the gospel, when we hear the good news, when we hear the truth from your word, we know it's true. And we also know it's hard, and we also know we've failed you, and we also know as we think about this that we'll probably fail you again and we don't want to. So Father, I just pray right now that you would give us the power to truly sell out that you would give us that you would give us the backbone to become your slave it ain't about what you're going to do for us though we know we'll be blessed for it it's about that this is going to turn out better for us if we step in and we become if we truly be your slave and father I also pray right now as I'm praying if there's somebody here that has never accepted you, and, and, and we know that accepting you and being your slave are not both the same thing. It seems like they would be, but they're not. We can accept you, we can start following you, but along the line we get to counting on you and whatever else we got going for us. So Father, I just, I just lift up, if there's somebody here that has never, has never accepted you as God, has never accepted you as a leader of their life, has never accepted you that you are worthy today, right now as I'm praying, that they would start making that decision and that they would come to somebody in, in, the, in this room or somebody they can trust to fully lead them to you. And Father, for the rest of us, I just pray that, that we would truly have the backbone to step into truly being your sons and daughters, your slaves of you,
and that you would lead us where you will, knowing that it won't all be easy. Probably none of it will be, but it will be worth it. And we will be so changed by the process that it will be an excitement in our lives like we have never experienced before. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, the name above all names, the only name that can change anything. Amen.